folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Friday night as I am recording this following a good win, a solid win, from the Denver Nuggets taking on the Atlanta Hawks. Final score of this one, 105-96. to Denver wins the first quarter. They win the third quarter. They basically tie the fourth quarter. Lost the second quarter by just a little bit, but most of this game was pretty much well in hand, and Denver did exactly what they needed to do to have a comfortable victory. It got a little bit closer at the end just because of a couple of Atlanta threes, but for the most part, Denver was in a comfortable position up 10 to 15 for most of the game. And the reason why they got to that point was because of Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon was unbelievable tonight. And I want to give him full credit for this performance. On a night where Nikola Jokic was very good, uh, but missed a few shots and, and wasn't as precise on the offensive end as you probably would hope for, uh, where Will Barton and Monte Morris struggled from the outside. Aaron Gordon delivered not just on the offensive end, but on the defensive end of the court. He started and played this entire game on Trey Young defensively. And don't get me wrong, Trey had a good game 30 points, nine rebounds. He did have five turnovers. He only took 16 shots and he made three three pointers out of five and got to the line 10 times. But I really think. That for the most part, when Aaron Gordon was on Trey, he bothered him. I thought he did a fantastic job. And you can see so many of those possessions where Gordon gets to show off his physicality, but also his athleticism when facing a guy like Trey. He absolutely bothered the Atlanta Hawks offense. And it wasn't a performance where he completely shut him down. Trey Young's good, he's going to make life difficult for everybody because he's a very talented player, and it was only a matter of time before he was able to kind of bait some fouls and get some threes to drop, and and that's what happened tonight. But for the most part, Aaron Gordon was fantastic. Played on the hip of Trey Young the entire game, stayed attached to him, barely gave him any space. I thought the majority of the times where Trey Young kind of got free, uh, there were a couple times where I thought Jokic could have had better closeouts defensively, where when he got switched on to Monte Morris or Will Barton or PJ Dozier, that or Jeff Green, actually, Jeff Green was kind of a big culprit here, that those guys probably could have done a better job too. But while Aaron Gordon was on Trey, he was fantastic. And this is why you bring a guy like him in, where he's able to take on that primary assignment and give the rest of the team something to work for on the defensive end, where they don't have to be in those difficult positions. They can play in the gaps defensively as opposed to on ball. They can be in rebounding positions. And I really thought that Denver did a fantastic job on the defensive end tonight against a team in Atlanta that tried to attack the paint relentlessly. They got a little bit lucky that Atlanta missed a lot of threes, Trey Young hit three of five. The rest of the team has was two of 23. It was really bad. But Denver 
they contributed to some of that bad shooting. It wasn't just because the Hawks missed shots. They pressured the Hawks. Bogdanovich took tough shots. DeAndre Hunter took tough shots. John Collins took tough threes. Uh, Cam Reddish, Kevin Herter, guys like that, they they all kind of disappeared and kind of left Trey and, and John Collins and Clint Capella out to dry. But a lot of that was because Denver got to play two-on-two on the defensive end. Aaron Gordon and Nikola Jokic. Those were the guys that were most involved. Sometimes they were running 1-4 pick and roll with uh, Trey Young and John Collins, which meant Jeff Green was involved instead. That actually helped out Jokic because he was able to get into rebounding position, grab 19 rebounds tonight. But a lot of this is because of the flexibility of Aaron Gordon. He deserves that credit for sure. You want to know what it means for a defense to have a stopper? This is what it means, where even when the superstar goes off, the rest of the team doesn't have to because Denver doesn't have to overcommit to a player like Trey. They're able to kind of swallow up the passes, the passing lanes, the easy shots, make everything difficult. And that's one of the reasons why the Hawks really struggled tonight. They didn't get turned over a ton. They're actually a pretty low turnover team. But Denver did a really good job of playing sound defense, and that was the big difference. But not to be outdone, Aaron Gordon was also dope offensively. 23 points on 11 shots, 7 of 11 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3, 6 of 6 from the line, 4 assists, 1 turnover. This might have been the best individual performance of any non-Jokic nugget this season, outside of possibly Barton last game. And that one's kind of special because of the, the moment that Denver had without their top three stars. But this one was also special, where you put a six foot eight forward on a six foot point guard who his main thing is he shoots from 30 feet. Like, I thought that Gordon did a fantastic job. And it was on both sides. And he absolutely deserves the game ball, deserves credit, whatever you want to call it. He was Denver's leading factor for winning this game tonight. It was awesome. Nikola Jokic, his jumper was off today, uh, but he still had a great game overall. Uh, 10 of 22 from the field, 22 points, 1 of 8 from 3, 1 of 4 from the free throw line. And that's how you know the jumper was just off. Like, I really thought that Jokic was going to go off today. And if he hits his averages from each of those spots, then he gets another two threes, he gets another two free throws, and he gets up to 30 points. 30 points, 19 rebounds, 10 assists. Sounds a lot better than 22, 19, and 10, but it's still a really, really good game. He was great on the glass. He got some of his assists to fall, and and some of the easy shots that Denver was able to hit uh, were bolstered by some of the difficult shots, and and he assisted on a number of three-pointers tonight, including P.J. Dozier, who I will talk about in the next segment, but thought this was a good game for Jokic overall. Not great. Um, He was great overall. He's always great because he just drives so much of what Denver does and, and takes up so much attention on both ends of the floor, frankly, where they had to the Hawks, they wanted to attack him relentlessly. 
and they attacked the starters, they attacked the bench, and I thought that Denver's defense held up overall, and it really stands out that Jokic is able to do that this year. And he got a little bit tired, don't get me wrong, got up to five personal fouls, was loafing back a little bit on defense by the end of it, but he'll be even better the next game, I have no doubt. Um, Let's see, who else should we talk about here? Um, Yeah, no, I, I just think that the, the most important factor in Denver's defense right now is that they're getting physical and... They still commit fouls, like they committed 21 personal fouls tonight. Thought that the Hawks had a little bit of a, like they definitely could have had some contentions with the the refing tonight, but I still think they did a really good job overall. Uh, Denver did of just playing sound defense and playing within the the scope of what's being allowed this year, and got then got a little bit lucky when Atlanta shot five of 28 from three. That's just how these games work. And that's how another Munder happens. It's it's very good. Um, Like I talked about, Monte Morris, Will Barton, both really struggled tonight. It's okay to have off nights, though. And, and sometimes you have to time up your off nights really well, uh, where Jokic kind of takes the reins and takes a lot of shots. And Aaron Gordon's having a good game. And, and Jeff Green, who we'll talk about in just a little bit. Uh, Monte Morris, 4 of 13 tonight. Not really good. Eight points. Missed both of his threes. But uh, more than anything, he's just... I don't think he's like getting really great, efficient shots. Um, getting a lot of mid-range shots right now. Uh, just looking at his shot chart. Oh, no, I guess not. He kind of missed some shots around the rim. Kind of had those roll around, roll around. But he was 0 of 3 on his mid-rangers today. If one or two of those go down or if two of the one or two of the three pointers go down, then it's it feels a little bit different. But I, I still think that Denver needs more consistency from him overall. And uh but like I said, you time up your off nights, that's just how it's gotta go sometimes. And I thought that Denver made the most of it with the rest of their guys. Will Barton, same thing, not a great night tonight. Uh, five points, five rebounds, one assist, uh, two of 11 from the field, one, oh, of five from three. Not great. Don't get me wrong. But he's okay. He gave his all in the last game. He's going to have a couple of off nights here or there. He's not like meant to be the most consistent player. And he's had to carry the torch for this team for so much of the year so far that it's okay to have an off night as long as he's not getting hurt. But yeah, Jeff Green, 16 points tonight on six shots, five of six from the field, one of one from three. The three-pointer that he hit was really big too. It was in the corner, not a great possession. Denver had to get a three at that point, and Jeff Green hit the shot. And it's been so long since the the Greens have really hit a bunch of shots that hopefully they can use that as a, uh, or at least Jeff Green can can use that as kind of a prop up for what the rest of the season is going to look like. But 16 points, four rebounds, one assist, two steals. Sounds pretty good. If you if you heard that Michael Porter had that stat line, you'd feel pretty good about it right now. So uh, one thing I am noticing, Jeff Green's kind of loafing up the court a little bit at times. Uh, sometimes it doesn't match up very well on defense. Takes a lot of time uh, when he gets fouled. Uh, takes a lot of time to get to the three uh, to the free throw line. 
in order to actually take those shots. I think he's managing the regular season, trying to find the times where you have to push and trying to find the times where you have to kind of take a breath. And it's very noticeable when he's playing at that slow pace because there was actually a couple of possessions tonight where Denver's kind of in a a semi-fast break that gets snuffed out and Jeff Green is just kind of waiting in the backcourt, then realizes, oh wait, they didn't score, then they actually didn't take a shot, I need to get down there. And so he's crossing the midcourt line at about 14 seconds left on the shot clock and Denver's been playing four on five for about five to six seconds. And that's uh, that's not great. But what I will say is 35. Hard to argue with uh, the process. He's done this before. As long as he continues to bring it at the moments that matter, uh, even the regular season moments that matter, if he saves it for various games, then that's a really big deal. And Denver's going to need it at those points too. But you can't complain with... The scoring tonight, 16 points on six shots, that's a really big deal. Being that efficient and being that effective, that really helped Denver win tonight because if he doesn't make those shots, Denver might lose. So hard to really kind of go out on the limb on that one too much, but I am interested to see what happens if he has to continue to play 30 plus minutes going forward. Denver's going to need some other solutions, I think. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss uh, the bench unit. But first, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Uh, we are doing a football promo for this year uh, or for this couple, these next couple weeks, given that same-game parlays have been such a big deal over at DraftKings. And they are an official partner of the NFL. You know what you're going to get from them. They always give you great options, great payouts. You can combine multiple bets into the same game with the same game parlay feature. And I've used that before, used it tonight with my friend Adam Maris over at a, over at DNVR. And, and he has been, and DraftKings, they, they take care of you. They absolutely give you some good odds, give you some good options to be able to bet. And having that feature is so awesome because it's so flexible. You can bet on a variety of different outcomes. Make sure that your payout's great. And if you manipulate it the right way, you can absolutely win a bunch of money. Best of all, they're safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So if you do download DraftKings, make sure to use promo code MHS. Bet $1 on either team to score in the NFL this weekend, and you can win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code MHS this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new restrictions, uh, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Welcome back, Pickaxe and Roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much for tuning in. 
let's discuss the bench unit and more specifically Bones Highland, uh, who I think deserves our attention after this latest performance. Uh, at halftime, Denver's up 49 to 46. I tweeted out that the Nuggets were plus 12 when Jokic was on the floor and minus 9 when Jokic sits. And a lot of that comes down to the bench unit, comes down to who's on the floor during that time, what makes the most sense for Denver, uh, why they are uh, playing various combinations at that point, given that I always put out the rotation that I do. It's pretty easy to see who's playing and who's struggling during that time. And tonight, Barton staggered with the bench. He's been doing that a lot, and he really didn't have it tonight, uh, especially as a shooter. They, they needed his shot. And it didn't really go down. And Denver's eventually going to get to a point where they add Michael Porter back. They add Jamal Murray back. And they're going to be an elite shooting team once again. I, I do have faith in that. But until then, it's going to take a little bit of time. And they kind of have to slog through it a little bit. And the, the first half was a really great example of that. Uh, Bones actually had a pretty bad first half, too. I thought that he had a couple nice moments, had a, a nice poke away that, that led to a basket for a, a kind of a tiger dunk for him, to quote a Nikola Jokicism. Um, but mostly he was negative, and mostly he wasn't great. Uh, he really had to step up in the second half, though, because Denver, they hadn't fully pulled away in the second half with the starters. And third quarter, mid-third quarter, Bones comes in and Denver's kind of not in a rut, but they, they're still struggling to figure stuff out. Jokic stays on the floor. They figure some stuff out while he's out there. Bones is out there for a little bit. It's not really him that's doing it, but then they get into the fourth quarter. Jokic is off the floor and Bones really started to shine. He took the lead in the second half. On the game, he had 15 points, 5 of 10 from the field, 3 of 7 from 3, 2 of 2 from the line, grabbed 6 rebounds, dished out 4 assists, including some nice dimes to Jermichael Green. But I want to take turn your attention to the three threes that he hit. All three were in the fourth quarter, and all three were important. Kind of beginning of that fourth quarter, and in semi-transition, he runs a pick and roll with Jermichael Green, Hits a step back three over John Collins pretty early in the shot clock. Took it with confidence, hadn't hit a three up to that point, but you knew it was going down because he was in that rhythm. He had played pretty well in that third quarter, in the start of that fourth quarter, and was kind of getting into that mood. You could feel it. A couple minutes later, middle of the fourth, Jokic gets a pass, or Jokic gets the ball, passes it off to Bones, and he hits a three. Deep three. Very important shot. Denver needed it, absolutely. And then the next possession, not just later, next possession after that. Denver, they need to get another bucket. Cam Reddish gambles for a steal on the Atlanta Hawks. Bones recovers the ball, collects it, dribbles back down the court, and they give him a wide-open pull-up, and he hits it on the run. Hits the pull-up, forces a timeout, gets the crowd going crazy. He helped helped keep Atlanta at bay. Uh, it was just so important. Such a momentum boost for Denver and such a momentum killer for Atlanta that 
he was able to get the crowd rocking at that time, brought the crowd back into it, and it was just very, very important to see. Uh, He does that a lot, not just when he's shooting. He made a couple nice flashy passes. Nate McMillan takes a timeout. Atlanta, they're trying to recover, and Bones, he goes out to half court and puts his ear up, or puts his hand up to his ear, tries to get the crowd, like listening to the crowd, trying to egg them on a little bit, trying to get them to, to cheer just a little bit louder. And it's one of the reasons why he is a fan favorite, because he brings that energy and he, it's all positive. It's all like a good vibe energy and him connecting with the crowd the way that he has, has really revitalized what this Nuggets bench has looked like, because for the most part, to start the year, they were death. They were just so bad, and nobody was really connecting with them. You could see that Faku sometimes would, when he makes the hustle plays, and when he would make the uh, the extra, uh, get a steal, get a block, hit a three, the crowd would rally behind him, but they are rallying behind Bones. They love him. Absolutely love him, and it's been very important that they do. I underrated just how much the Nuggets needed a guy like that. And it's funny, Jamal Murray, he's the guy that gets the crowd going most of the time. Michael Porter, you could see the crowd kind of gearing up when he takes a shot. Or at least last year, maybe not this year. But without Jamal Murray out there, there are a lot less players that the crowd kind of builds towards that the crowd, like they egg on the crowd and have that relationship with them. Bones does, and he connected immediately. Everybody could see it. Everybody could feel it. And everybody's excited for his success. And the way that he has taken over, it really is a special thing with this group. I've been very impressed with Bones. He deserves all of the praise. Very happy to see that this is happening and happy to be wrong. I, I, I didn't think that it was going to be a good draft pick, at least at the outset. I changed my stance pretty quickly after seeing him, and I'm glad that he's getting the opportunity to play. I wonder if he stays in the rotation uh, when everybody gets healthy, if everybody gets healthy. I really hope he does because he just seems like a, a spark plug that Denver could absolutely need, but we'll see. P.J. Dozier, not to be outdone, P.J. Dozier had a really good game tonight. It wasn't perfect, uh, but he did have 12 points, two rebounds, one assist, one block, five of eight from the field, two of three from three. Needed to see some shots go down. The shots that he takes sometimes from the three-point line, they're not easy shots. Like Some of the spot-ups that he takes are, are shots that he has to take within the flow of the offense. But the defense is closing out to him. They know that he's going to take it now. And he has really risen to the occasion. Had a couple baskets as well where he goes and isolates against John Collins or Danilo Gallinari or whoever. And he's confident in that. He had one possession tonight where he got the ball back against John Collins, dribbled to the middle of the or to the edge of the lane, spun back to the middle, hit a nice turnaround jumper. I feel very confident in P.J. Dozier's isolation game. I know that that's a weird thing to think about, but the way when he gets into the mid-range and takes a mid-range pull-up, I feel pretty good about that overall. 
it might not be a bad it might be a bad thing might not be a great thing for Denver's efficiency but if he starts hitting the the spot up threes then the rest of his game is going to come into place because he is shooting well around the rim when he gets there he's usually doing well it's just about the rest of the floor and he hasn't shot well kind of in the floater area but he has shot well in mid range that is something that has really stood out and i hope it continues Oh, and another thing, the defense with him, it is like he's in an impossible position having to play power forward. Tonight, he was against Daniela Gallinari, and Gallo's got like four inches on him. Gallo's like 6'10", PJ's like 6'6". Gallo's somebody that should be able to post him up, should be able to kind of muscle him a little bit, get some rebounds, do everything that he needs to do. And there was like one possession of that, but most of the time, Gallo kind of got stood up. Gallo didn't do everything that needed to be done for the Hawks to succeed tonight. And PJ was a big reason for that. There was one post-up possession where they went to Gallo. PJ was defending him in the post. He tried to spin and then got swatted where he, uh, Dozier just swats a shot and and he couldn't be punished by his size, and it's just a very important thing. Also, the two threes that Dozier hit, I hope that that propels him to being more like a 35% three-point shooter, because P.J. Dozier that shoots 35% from three, super helpful player. P.J. Dozier that shoots 25% from three, you're starting to get into murky territory there, so hopefully he can get that three-point percentage up. It's going to go up after tonight. Uh, looking forward to seeing if he can get into a rhythm. Jamichael Green, not in a rhythm. Uh, he's been up and down, but like he, he's just mostly been down for much of this season. 13 minutes tonight, he was a minus 10, lowest on the team. Four points, three rebounds. Did have one assist, one steal, one block. Had one turnover. I'm pretty sure it was an offensive foul. And he had five fouls tonight in 13 minutes. And one of the things that really stood out in that second quarter was that Denver got into the bonus or Atlanta got into the bonus. Denver fouled them just so early, helped them get back into that game real quick. And because of that, uh, Denver was at a disadvantage for that entire rest of the quarter. Uh, Denver only scored uh, 17 points in the second quarter. And I feel like a lot of that because Jermichael Green has not been hitting shots. Uh, Missed two free throws tonight. Missed two threes tonight. He is down to 13% from three on the season. Obviously, that's not good enough. Obviously, you don't expect that to continue for the entire length of the game. But I really did think that Zeke Naji would get in there tonight. Not for him, but playing next to him. Giving Denver somebody else that they could go to is kind of a pick and roll threat. Because right now when Denver's playing four guards and one big, they really kind of screw themselves from a spacing perspective on that bench. And they put a lot of pressure on that fulcrum point where Jermichael Green has to be that guy setting those picks every single time. And it's no surprise that he's short on his jumper almost every night because he's tired. He's exhausted. He's trying to do so much. It wouldn't surprise me if he needed to take a day off or two, 
or needed to just have his minutes reduced. Like, he only played 13 minutes tonight, but the minutes he plays are hard. He's playing at center. I'd like to see Denver play Zeke Nagy because I do think that he can give them just another big body to have out there and another big body that can hit shots and somebody that they can run pick and pop with and feel pretty good about it or pick and roll because the pick and roll has been working with Zeke Nagy just as much as it was working with Jermichael Green. So, like I said, Denver shot 29% from three tonight, 10 of 35. That's just what they do now. They need better shooters. Like that's just something that really stands out. And I don't think they're going to get that from Austin Rivers. Uh, They're lucky that Bones is really hitting shots, but they need somebody out there who can hit shots. Austin Rivers hesitates as much as he does. Uh, He's been a good defensive guard for Denver. Austin Rivers has, and he's bigger than Faku, which means that they can switch a little bit better. When, uh, because when Faku's out there with Bones, that puts two very small players in situations where Denver, a very switchable defense, they're going to get switched on to bigger guys so frequently that it's going to compromise Denver's scheme. You still see that with Bones in games like tonight where Atlanta gets 14 offensive rebounds. Indiana got some rebounds last game and like there were, there were multiple possessions where DeMontis Sabonis grabbed a rebound right over the top of Bones Highland because he like Bones Highland wasn't even there for DeMontis Sabonis. And imagine that, but like twice as bad with Faku. Not just because Faku's shorter, but because there would be two players in Faku and Bones that would really make things difficult. Usually when you downsize, it's for better spacing, it's for better driving, it's for more lanes to the basket. I think that they need to put in Zeke Nagy, at least while Michael Porter is out, at least while Jeff Green is in there. I just think that he's going to give them better power forward minutes than what Austin Rivers is giving them because he's really playing power forward, at least on the offensive end. Like he's playing the two guard on defense, guarding opposing twos and and sometimes threes, but he's playing power forward on offense. He was in the dunker spot at one point tonight and just not a great situation to be in. So hopefully they can figure it out. All right, let's take a final break. When we come back, we are going to discuss uh, Denver's record to this point, which is somehow eight and four. We'll be right back. segment here. Let's discuss what Denver has accomplished so far. Eight and four. At one point, they were four and four. They've been on this homestand for just a little bit. And here are the teams that they faced just kind of going back to this. The Houston Rockets, where Michael Porter goes out at the very beginning of that game, and they barely score enough points, but they ultimately win 95 to 94. Miami, where the Jokic-Morris altercation happens. Morris makes a fool of himself, and Denver kind of 
they bust Miami's ass. Let's just be frank. That's what happened. Uh, Indiana, where they play without Jokic after the suspension. Obviously, they're without Murray and Porter. Denver guts out a win in that game. And then tonight, Aaron Gordon matches up with Trey Young. Bones Highland kind of has a coming out party off the bench. And Jokic ties it together with what he does, and they get another win. None of those opponents are crazy. None of those opponents are super, like, it's not a super big deal that they were able to win all of those games. But the fact that they won all of them, let me rephrase that. It's not a super big deal that they won each of those games, but the fact that they won all of them is a really big deal. I said that going into this, I thought three and two, par for this homestand. Denver's been going through some struggles, kind of difficult to figure them out, but they figured it out. The only four losses that they have on the season, let me just revisit those two. Cleveland Cavaliers, where they really didn't try. I think it's it's very clear that they did not take the Cavs seriously, and they thought they could get away with some bad offense, and they could not. They lost on a back-to-back to the Utah Jazz, where Jokic put up 24-5-5 in 15 minutes, but bumped knees with Rudy Gobert. I firmly believe they would have won that game, and Jokic would have gone for 50 had he not bumped knees. And then the only other two games that they lost was a back-to-back in Memphis, coming off of a really tough win over the Minnesota Timberwolves on a back-to-back. Not a back-to-back, but it felt like it. Well, no, it was a back-to-back in Minnesota. Um, but Denver lost back-to-back games in Memphis. One of them because they didn't shoot like they didn't shoot well, and the other because Jokic got fouled by Jaron Jackson at the buzzer. Call wasn't made. It is what it is. Denver's win profile right now is pretty good. They're six and one at home. They're two and three on the road. Despite the fact that they lost a couple, a few games to the Western Conference, uh, they're beating a lot of the teams that they are supposed to beat. They're not supposed to beat the Utah Jazz on a back-to-back. They're not supposed to beat the Memphis Grizzlies, or they're supposed to win one of those games against the Grizzlies, but they were always supposed to lose one of them too. It's a it's a two-game series at home for Memphis. They were always going to win one of them. And then Denver has just really taken care of business other than that outside of Cleveland. And Cleveland's turned out to be 8-5. and five. They're fourth in the East. It's a pretty big deal. Right now, Denver's 8-4. and four. They are tied for third in the West. Golden State has been demolishing teams. They've really figured their stuff out. Uh, they, they've just found this really great rhythm. And... They are a scary team. Don't get me wrong. They've had a really easy schedule. And there's going to be a time where they miss some shots and they miss enough shots that things are just going to get a little bit bad for them. But they've banked enough wins that I think it's pretty safe to say they are going to be at the top or near the top of the Western Conference for most of the season. Phoenix Suns, Utah Jazz, same thing. Phoenix is 8-3. They've rattled off seven straight wins, as well as Golden State. Uh, They are officially back. 
Chris Paul is back. Like he's not a real MVP, but kind of like last year, he's just on the the fringe of an MVP conversation. He'll probably make his debut on my MVP ladder tonight that I post on Twitter. Um, he's been really good. The Jazz, they've kind of faltered. Rudy Gobert made a fool of himself. But it was kind of eh. Like, the Jazz are going to win regular season games. I have no doubt about that. Dallas, I'm not sure why they're winning so many games. Uh, It just feels like they don't feel like a team that I trust quite yet. But Denver, I know I can trust. I know I can trust them to deliver on the defensive end now. I think it's pretty clear. They have absolutely earned the trust of fans that they're going to be delivering these kinds of defensive performances every single night. They have now held nine of their 12 opponents under 100 points. Think about that. Like, what the hell? This is the same Denver Nuggets team that a few seasons ago, if they held teams under 110, they'd win every time. But they never could do that because they played at a faster pace and the defense was trash. Usually, if you hold teams under 110, you're you're going okay. Denver, because their offense has been bad, has had to play this fantastic defense, and they've absolutely delivered. Do I think that some sort of defensive regression is likely when Denver's offense takes off? Sure. But I do think that they're just a really solid team all around, and there's no reason to think otherwise. They have my trust, and they should have yours. I think they've definitely earned that. Denver's off on Saturday. They're going to face the Portland Trailblazers on Sunday before going on a quick roadie uh, back-to-back at Dallas. That's a big one. They're probably going to lose that one, but that is a big one. If they could beat Portland and Dallas back-to-back, that would be fantastic. I don't expect it. Nobody should. But the way Aaron Gordon is defending, the way that P.J. Dozier can defend Luka Doncic and Damian Lillard and guys like that. Definitely think that it's pretty possible. But we're going to see. We're going to find out. After that, so Sunday they've got Portland. Monday they're going to Dallas. Thursday they get two days off. And then it's Philadelphia. They get to play Joel Embiid. That should be really, really interesting. Um... Joel Embiid currently is in health and safety protocols, so we will see if he actually shows up to that one and if he's actually able to do it. I have my concerns about whether he will play in that one, but he is supposed to get back for it, so we will see whether he ducks Denver or not. Then they play a back-to-back. This is a home-and-home back-to-back against the Chicago Bulls on that Friday. Then they play on that following Sunday at Phoenix, then they go to Portland, then they play at home against Milwaukee, and then after that murderer's row of teams that they face, they have to go take a seven-game road trip. And here's what those teams are. Miami, where they go rehash that argument. Orlando, New York, Chicago, New Orleans, and then two games in San Antonio. Those games aren't tough, But a seven-game road trip generally is. 
it's tough for most people to be away from home for that long. They'll be away from home from November 28th, the day before uh, that Miami game, all the way until December 12th, the day after they finish up in San Antonio. Maybe they get in that night, but it's a it's a late game. So they actually get it way past midnight. That is true. It is going to be interesting to see how they handle these next uh, 15 or so games. Six, uh, uh, 13, 14, whatever. But Denver in that case, like if they go 500 during that stretch, that's probably fine. Where they are 7-7 seven and seven during that stretch, which means that overall they'd be 15-11. and 11. That's okay. They can go just 7-7 seven and seven in that stretch because they banked four straight wins on this easier homestand. They fought through. They made the like they made this count. They absolutely made this count. And they could wrap it up positively against a rival opponent. Portland, they have not had any success against Denver in the last three years. 2019, 20, 2021, and I guess 21, 22, like this year's 20. So really the last two and a half years. They're going to be out for blood. Damian Lillard has really struggled. But here's the thing. Denver got a really good uh, kind of exhibition of what Portland is going to look like with the Atlanta Hawks tonight. Atlanta and Portland, they play very similarly. I'm sure that Aaron Gordon is going to spend a lot of time on Damian Lillard. That should be really interesting. I wonder if Malone goes back to that on back-to-back days and then has him defend Luka Doncic on the following Monday. That's a, that is a murderer's row of defensive assignments for Aaron Gordon. But he has delivered. And Nuggets fans have to be thankful for him. They really, really should. That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Make sure to use promo code MHS when you sign up. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll not have a podcast on Sunday, but we'll have a podcast up on Monday after Sunday's game. Uh, I haven't decided whether I'm going to go to that one yet, but I probably will. It just got to be there. Got to be there when Denver faces Dame. Should be very fun. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys next week.